Support for this episode comes from eBay. Whether it's a holy grail pair of sneakers, head-turning handbags, or one genuine wardrobe staple. If you're always on the hunt for that one wardrobe staple you just gotta have, eBay gets it. Nothing's more important than the real deal. When you shop on eBay, all you have to do is look out for that shiny blue checkmark that says Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll know that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo will be verified authentic through a detailed inspection. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Hi, I'm Neil Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. Right now on Decoder, we're doing a mini-series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around, generative AI. Our series dives deep into some of the most pressing issues surrounding generative AI, with expert Verge reporters covering the cutting-edge frontier of the industry. How could copyright lawsuits completely upend large language models and image generators? How big a problem is AI-generated misinformation for the 2024 election? And what kind of impact are AI chatbots having on human relationships? Decoder's AI series will help you understand what's going on, why, and where it might go from here. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Decoder, wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Welcome back to the fighter versus the writer. I'm your host, Damon Martin. I am joined as always by UFC legend, Matt Brown. And Matt, do you realize we live in a world where Francis Ngannou took the heavyweight boxing champion of the world, Tyson Fury, to a split decision? Do you realize that's the world we live in now? I, I've i come to realize this, yeah. Yeah, it's fucking crazy, man. <laughs> Arguably won. Right, not not just took up to a split decision. Like, like there's a very good argument to be made that he won. I think he did win. I mean, I scored him winning. I don't think it was like a controversy. Like, I don't think he got robbed necessarily, but I think there's definitely a world where he won, and I scored him winning. Although, again, I don't, I don't, you know, I'm not crying foul or saying it was a terrible decision. Like, it was a close fight. He got the only knockdown in the third round, legit knockdown, not a slip, not a, you know, not a random you know moment. He hit him and, and Fury went down and Tyson, like, honestly, Tyson looked scared of, Ty- of Francis and gone that mm-hmm. entire fight. Like he did not want to engage. He was, he was worried about the power and Ngannou looked a hundred times better than anyone ever could have imagined he would in his boxing debut. Like we listen, I, I underestimated him more than you did. You actually said he had like a 2% chance. I said he basically had no chance because I said that, you know, Fury was the worst matchup for him at heavyweight. And and then Ngana goes out there and has that kind of fight. I'd say, well, I'm going to change 300, uh, 180 degrees from what I said the other day. I had, I was pumping up Tyson Fury and I thought he was this and that. I'll tell you what, I, this reminded me of Buster Douglas, Mike Tyson, right? A, a huge upset, right? Like, you know, you, whether or not uh, Francis won or not, again, you can talk about that. But it, the fact that he went to a split decision and arguably won, like, that's a win, right? That's an upset to the fucking max. But what what we found when Mike Tyson fought Buster Douglas is we found out who Mike Tyson was. And we realized that he was not the the stone cold murderer 
that was going to walk through everybody and that he came across, right? Buster Douglas stood up to him and fought him like a man. And that was all it took. I see that as the same here. Like we found out who Tyson Fury is. He is not the boxer that we thought that he was. I think he took this fight serious. I think he went for it. I think he trained hard. And I think he's been overrated this whole time. I think I overrated him. Wow. See, I didn't go that route. I mean, I, I don't I don't know that I I wouldn't say overrated. I think I I underrated Ngano for sure. Like I definitely underrated Ngano's skills. Cause you know, never having a professional fight getting I in would there add that too. Uh, underrated Ngano and overrated Tyson Fury. Yeah. I mean, listen, to our to our credit, I mean, you know, we were certainly not alone in picking Tyson Fury to win that fight. I mean, you know, anyone anyone in their right mind with a with, that has watched boxing would pick that fight that way. Well, that, because that there, right, what you're saying right there is 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 it, that's the thing that I'm talking about. Tyson should have walked through him. You know what I'm saying? Like he's a 30 and 0 or what 33 and 0. Uh, well, undefeated heavyweight champ. He should have walked through him. This tells me that the level of of heavyweight boxing is is very low. Like I don't care if you're the greatest athlete in the history of sports, mankind. You should not come in and go to a split decision with the champion. Yeah, that tells me that the whole division. And when you look at Tyson's. Um, and I'm not hating on Tyson. I love the guy. You know, I love his personality. I love everything about him. I've always been huge on him. But I think it just overrated, man. Like nobody should nobody should come in their first match and be able to do that. Yeah. I mean, and and to Ngannou's credit, one thing I want to give him a huge credit for is like he looked like a boxer in there. Like he really mm-hmm. did. Like I know that sounds like such a low bar I'm setting as a compliment, but I mean that as a compliment. He didn't look like an MMA fighter trying to be a boxer he looked like a boxer he 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 avoided fury's feints he did good in the combinations he scared fury away several times with his punches he never backed down he paced himself um you know obviously we consider and critique little things here and there but for a guy making his professional debut how good do you expect him to really be and he's taking on the heavyweight champion of the world a guy that we both at least i did said like one of the best heavyweights in the past 30 years Certainly didn't look like that on Saturday night. And then Ghana goes out there, knocks him down, showed no fear. Um, and, and and really, and he went 10 rounds. He didn't just do this. Like, he didn't go out and have, like, a good three or four. Like, we, when when McGregor fought Mayweather, and I'm not trying to discount what Connor did, but when, when Connor fought Mayweather and went and won a couple rounds, and I know people are going to say, and I understand, Mayweather carried him and was just, you know, feeling him out because that's what Mayweather always does. And then, you know, Mayweather picked him apart and finished him. That's absolutely what happened. But even that, we were kind of like, well, you know what? He still managed to win a couple of rounds against one of the best boxers of the last, you know, 50 years. That's still an accomplishment. Like, it is. To a certain extent, I don't care if Mayweather gave away the rounds. Connor still did it. That was a pretty high bar for what Connor did. For for Francis to go out there and go to a split decision and arguably win the fight, score the only knockdown in the entire fight, that is unreal. That is unmatched. That is something we've never seen, and I don't know if we'll ever see again. Uh, yeah, I totally agree with you. And man, I guess just what I'm saying is, I mean, when you talk about everything you see online or a lot of what you see online these past couple of days on social media has been 
you know, Dana fumbled the bag. The UFC fumbled the bag. You know who fumbled the bag was fucking Tyson Fury. <laughs> Tyson Fury should have put him away. Like, this absolutely drives me nuts. Like, like he fumbled the bag on Saturday night. This should not have been a competitive match. And, and again, I think Tyson took it serious. I think he really trained for it. But when he felt Engano hit him, I mean, you, we all seen the look in his eyes. He he did not want to be in there at that point. Like he was, I mean, you seen his eyes, right? Like, like he Absolutely. was shocked. Yeah, he was shook. He got shook. When he got hit the first time and got clipped pretty good, I think it changed everything. And then when Engano knocked him down, I mean, because you saw for the rest of the fight, like even the moments – that Fury won the exchanges, it was almost like he was looking to hit and then immediately get out again. Like, there was no yeah. pursuing Nganu. There was no, I'm going to back him into a corner and really start unloading punches on him. Um, he just looked afraid. He looked afraid well, of Francis Nganu. Yeah, and I, like, I didn't see any, like, strategy coming from Tyson. This is why I said, like, he fumbled the bag. Like, I didn't see a, a strategy. I didn't see... Um, uh, you know, like him jabbing a lot. I mean, he definitely, you know, he threw his jab. It's not like he didn't throw it, but, you know, he, he should have spent the first five rounds jabbing his face up and and not even doing anything else. But he did. He, I don't know. It just, it tells me again, I'm a set, I'm a, I'm a, I'm, I'm a broken record here, but look, the heavyweight division in boxing right now just sucks. <laughs> These guys are not what we thought they were, and Francis Ngannou just exposed them. And he's going to go out there. If he fights AJ, he's going to beat AJ's ass. If he fights Wilder, I, he's going to beat Wilder's ass. Like, he's going to go in and wreck the heavyweight division. He's going to go back to fight Fury, and he's going to uh, probably win. I think he's going to wreck them all. I'm, I'm calling it now. Francis Ngannou is coming in, going to dominate the boxing heavyweight division. Because they suck. <laughs> Here's the big question, Matt, afterwards. Because, again, I thought he won. I don't, think it was a, I don't think it was a robbery, but I think he won the fight. We already know that Fury is set up to fight Alexander Usyk in December. I don't know if it'll be December, but we know that they're supposed to fight. Yep. The big question afterwards is what should Francis do next? You know, should he go back to the PFL? Should he go do MMA? And I said, absolutely not. You nah. just set you just set yourself up for the biggest payday of your entire life to fight Fury again, to fight Anthony Joshua, to fight Deontay Wilde. Francis Ngannou just became the A side of every fight he could have in the boxing world. He went from being the B side against the heavyweight champion and getting paid, you know, whatever it was, ten or fifteen million dollars, whatever he got paid. He is now the A side, and he can command thirty million dollars, forty million dollars, whatever he wants. No offense to the PFL. But Francis should not even sniff a mixed martial arts fight right now. He should just go train his ass off in boxing, get even better than he already was, and gear up for whatever comes next in March, April, whatever the timeline is for his return. And maybe it's Fury, maybe it's Wilder, maybe it's Joshua. Whatever it is, get your money and go out and prove that that was no fluke. I could not agree more. The only thing I think that could bring him back to MMA, or the only thing that should bring him back to MMA, if somehow, which we know is not going to happen, the UFC co-promotes with PFL, and it's John Jones versus uh, Francis Ngannou. And that there, I mean, that's the biggest fight you can make in MMA history. 
uh, that especially like now is the time to strike if they're ever going to do that. Right. I mean, obviously John's got to come back from his uh, injury um, and no offense to Stipe. Right? Like I'm friends with Stipe. I'm a gigantic fan, but if I'm John Jones, I go talk to Dana and I say, bro, let's make this happen. Let's do the co-promotion. It's not going to kill the UFC. It's not going to hurt their, uh, you know, future of being the, 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 it's not, it's not going to make the PFL a competitor with the UFC in any way, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, listen, you're right though. Chances are it won't happen. Like, you know, we got to be honest with ourselves. Yeah. Probably won't happen, but like for Francis, if he goes back to MMA and he goes back to the PFL, who's he going to fight? Yeah. There's like, no one else. Yeah. You know, like, is he going to, what's he going to do? Do a rematch with Junior Dos Santos. He's going to fight, uh, Ryan Bader. I love Ryan Bader. I'm not saying like a knock on Ryan Bader, but like, is that a big fight for him? Is he going to fight any of the random heavyweights in PFL? And it's going to mean something when he could be fighting Deontay Wilder or Anthony Joshua or a uh, Fury rematch. Like, dude, you just, you just took the heavyweight champion of the world, the undisputed. I mean, I know other people have belts cause that's boxing, but he was the undisputed heavyweight king. Everyone, even though, even though Alexander Usyk had belts, everyone ranked Tyson Fury as the better heavyweight. He just went out there and, and I think legitimately beat the best heavyweight in boxing. You call your shot now. You are the A-side. Take advantage of this. Like you're gonna this is once in a lifetime opportunity kind of stuff. And and Francis has always dreamed about being a boxer. This was his dream before he came to the UFC. This was his dream before he ever decided to do MMA. Strike while the iron's hot. Take advantage of this opportunity you just created for yourself and, and book another massive boxing fight where it's now going to be, instead of Fury versus Nganu, it's going to be Nganu versus Fury or Nganu yeah. versus Wilder or Nganu versus Joshua. Go out there and make your money, dude. And listen, I have nothing against PFL. I actually really like what the PFL does, and I'm glad that they're giving Francis this opportunity. But Francis doing what he did may have just demolished whatever plans PFL had for Francis because why would you go back like why would you why would you risk you know why would you fight a kind of a random heavyweight and and listen it's MMA we talked about that with the Sean Strickland Israel Adesanya fight anything can happen I mean you know you could fight Ryan Bader and he goes out and grinds you against the on the cage for five rounds and you lose now that doesn't necessarily eliminate your boxing future but it certainly takes a hit you know why would you risk that I totally agree the the, is some universe what I think, you know, maybe a parallel universe. I just imagine the UFC agreeing to co-promote with PFL. He comes over to does MMA fights, John Jones wins that fight, goes back to heavyweight boxing, beats Anthony Joshua gets a rematch with Fury beats Fury or Usyk, whoever uh, wins that fight. And, uh, is just the biggest star in combat sports history, you know, crossing over, going back and forth, fighting the big dogs in one promotion in, in MMA, fighting the big dogs in boxing, being champion of the world. I fucking hope Francis does it, man. I think it would, I think it would just be so tremendous, man. I think it would be the, he'd be the biggest star in sports history and the son of a bitch has earned it, man. That's a, one thing we got to keep in mind, like he earned everything that he's done. Like, right. We, so many people were saying, you know, he messed up by taking this risk. Everybody, you know, and everything from his life all the way in the beginning, right. The salt mines escaping and then coming out here and doing what he's done, man. I, I hope he takes over the fucking world. 
Yeah, I'm with you 100%. And to that point, you know, in terms of like, you know, he's written his, like, his story is incredible. Like, we all know that. We should all, I said it before the fight, and I wasn't negating, I wasn't trying to negate his chances, although I'll be the first to admit, like, I, I was wrong. I was, I, I, we were all wrong. No one predicted Francis was going to do that. If you're, you're logically, no one predicted Francis was going to go out there and do that to Tyson Fury. Even, even the hardest core, MMA guys I know were like, yeah, he, he could make it tough for a couple of rounds and then, you know, in Ganu's Ursi, Tyson's going to take over and probably finish him in six or seven rounds. That's what everyone yeah, I mean, thought was I mean, the, the standard talking point was he has the nuclear option, right? It wasn't he's going to box with him for 10 rounds and yeah. have a chance. Exactly. Like, if Ngannou won, it's because he uncorked a punch and knocked out Tyson Fury. That, I mean, yes, he did get a knockdown, but it, that didn't even happen, really. He went out there and he went out and outboxed him. Right. And, and that was our one or two percent chance, right? It was yeah. that, that gigantic punch coming from nowhere. And he went out and boxed with them. Like, like he boxed the box with them. And again, I, I, I'm going to say it a hundred times. I have to. I, dude, Tyson Fury, in my opinion, it lowered him. It raised Engano's stock, obviously. Like, he's obviously, you know, a world-class boxer. But it, the other part, too, is it lowered, my opinion, of Tyson Fury a lot also because he should have went out there and dominated. I'm with you. I agree. I mean, I I also agree with you when you say I think he took it seriously. I don't think he half-assed it. He actually looked in good shape. You know what I mean? Like, he didn't look like he was sloppy. He didn't look like he didn't care do I think he do I think he thought it would be an easier fight than it was? Sure, yeah. but that doesn't negate his skill and ability. You know, it doesn't negate how good and and I mean this with the utmost respect to Francis Ngannou. He's an O and O boxer with I mean, yes, he has fight experience, but not boxing experience. You're supposed to be the best heavyweight on earth. You should not struggle against that guy. Yes. Like, if the reverse That's if cool. the reverse happened, if you throw Tyson Fury into an MMA fight with Francis Ngannou, Ngannou should demolish him. Shouldn't yeah. even be close. Shouldn't even be a fight. You know what I mean? And if it was, if, if Tyson Fury took Francis Ngannou to a split decision in mixed martial arts, we'd all be like, oh my God, what just happened? Because that should not happen, right? Same thing here. I, I'm not negating Francis' skill, but if you're the best heavyweight in boxing, you should not be going to a split decision with a guy who has never box professionally ever should not happen that's exactly my point and uh i, I mean I, there's not a single guy in the ufc at the lighter weights you know you, you take uh like like who uh sean o'malley and and tank davis are talking a bunch of shit right the tank doesn't have a single problem with sean o'malley i promise you like i want to i'd love to see the fight just to prove everybody right you know, we, we could do these matchup dream matchups all day. 90% of these guys don't have a shot. Like, because at the lower level or lower weights in boxing, these guys are real savage and extremely, extremely skilled guys. And that's my argument here is the heavyweight division just sucks. <laughs> that's what, you know, that's why a guy can come in. Don't get me wrong. Like Francis is a specimen, right? He's a fucking amazing athlete absolute uh savage warrior but I, I guarantee at any of those other weights somebody tries crossing over o and o against the champion they don't have a chance there's guys i do think could cross over and have success there's guys i think could 
maybe even work their way up to a championship level. But 0-0 against champion day one, no shot in hell except in the heavyweight division. And I know, like, light heavyweight is what, Better BF? He's the Arthur Better BF. He's the light heavyweight champion. Like, that dude's a savage. Like, I couldn't see anyone challenging him. You know, David yeah. Benavidez, like, down you know, down a couple of ways. You know, Dimitri how do you want to go? Yeah, Dimitri Bivol, exactly. Another one. Like, yeah, I just, it's unbelievable. And, it, again, it's kind of a two-sided thing, right? Like, Francis did far better than we thought he would, and Fury – maybe wasn't who he thought he was like it's kind of the same thing like because i want to make sure we're clear like we're not negating anything about what nganu did if, again if nganu just went to a decision with francis with tyson here i don't care if he lost the decision he just went out there and survived 10 rounds with the best heavyweight in the world that's a win to me like that would have been a huge win to me yeah. because that's you're not supposed to do that uh i mean i other, did it what i was actually cornering guys so i uh on saturday night i didn't get to watch the fight really close uh, but I looked over and I seen the knockdown, and right there I said he just won. Like I don't, he could get knocked out later. He could, you know, Tyson could get up and knock him out thirty seconds later. Francis Ngano just won. He won the night. He won the hearts of everybody. He proved everybody wrong. Like we we should all hail Francis Ngano at this point. Right? Like, Absolutely, like, this is the fucking king of combat. Absolutely. So we talk about what comes next, Mac, and we, and we both agree that it should be boxing. You know, it looks like Fury's going to be tied up with the Usyk fight. Um, in theory, again, nothing's, you know, nothing's official, but it sure looks like that's where they're going. And if I'm Tyson Fury, I probably don't want to run it back with Francis Ngannou right away uh, because it may not go well. What what do you think should be next? I mean, should he just sit patiently and wait for Fury because we know the rematch is going to be that much bigger? Should he pursue Anthony Joshua or Deontay Wilder? And you said it, by the way, I want to give credit where credit's due. When we talked about these boxing matchups a couple months ago, you said very openly you thought Tyson was the worst matchup. You actually said Anthony Joshua was the best because Anthony Joshua does not like getting hit. And Anthony Joshua, let's be honest, obviously he's looked like a high-level boxer, but he has not looked great in the last couple years. And he does not like getting hit at all. He does not, he does not react well to adversity. We saw that in the Usyk fights. We saw it in the Andy Ruiz fight. Um, so what is what is the ideal matchup? Like if you're if you're playing Francis's manager here, like what do you tell him to do next? I, I, I'm uh, first. I go try to get the co promotion with the UFC and fight John Jones. That's the biggest fight in MMA history, right? That's the biggest. Again, I don't think it happens. You know, but but look, the UFC surprises us all the time with new things, right? And you know, they're you, you know they're they're also under the, um, the the what is it the Endeavor banner now too, right? Yeah. So you know they, they that's a publicly traded company. They want money, right? Their their stock price is what they care about. So there's a chance, right? Like you know, it's it's a um, I, I don't think it's completely out of the question. Like Dana has has. Uh, evolved a lot. I like, remember he said there would never be women's in May back in the day. Right. And then he did that, you know, so I don't, I don't completely, we're always shocked at, at the UFC's uh, uh, business moves, you know, so that, you know, like they're getting rid of USADA a few weeks ago. Right. So like, we never know. I don't think it's completely out of the question. Is it, uh, is it probable? Uh, of course not. But I don't think it's totally out of the question. So I push for that first. 
if I'm a, other than that, yeah, I'm with you. Stay in boxing. Keep the biggest boxing match out there is Anthony Joshua, and it's the best fight. Wilder obviously is the second option. A much more dangerous fight, I think, because I think like Anthony Joshua would also tell us a lot more uh, about uh, Ngano, because the 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 big punch is pro- is obviously like where um Ngano has a, a a great chance right but as you said you know Anthony Joshua I wouldn't say like he doesn't like to get hit or anything he's actually had some pretty tough fights that he's fought through and gotten hit and worked his way through them um, but that has been uh, the one knock on him is you know he's not good with the wars and he's not good with with getting hit a lot he's not you know a savage a brawler, you know, he can't bite down. He's not the guy that bites down on his mouthpiece and, and walks forward through the fire. Um, so that, I think that's a, that's a fight that tells us a lot about who Ngano would be as a boxer. Um, with that said, you know, Joshua would is a much more skilled boxer than Anthony Joshua or than uh, Francis Ngano. So, so again, I think that's where we do find out a lot about Ngano if he fights him. On top of that, that is without question the biggest selling match out there for Ngano outside of fighting John Jones. So yeah, push for that. Yeah, I agree. I think it's, but I do, I do believe it's a winnable fight. Like I'm not discounting yeah. Anthony Joshua, but I think it is a winnable it's a, fight. It, it's a even matchup to me at this point. Like I don't think the Tyson Fury that fought Saturday night beats Anthony Joshua. I don't think he knocks out Anthony Joshua. Right. I think a few weeks ago, like we wouldn't even question Anthony Joshua versus Tyson Fury. Right. We'd like to Tyson kills him last after last Saturday. I don't know that that's the case. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I fully admit I'm on the, I don't believe in Anthony Joshua train. I fully admit that I'm on that. I'm on that list of people who just doesn't, I don't think he's as good as everyone made him out to be for so long. Like I, I've always felt he was a little overrated. And uh, ever since the Ruiz fight, I felt like maybe I was proven right because he's not really looked great in any fight since then. I mean, you know, he knocked out his last opponent that took the fight on five days notice. He took, uh, was it Jermaine, whatever, Jermaine Bradley or whatever it is to a, to a decision, you know, yeah. a guy you should absolutely demolish. He went out there, went to a decision with him. You know, I mean, I just, I'm not an Anthony Joshua guy. I'm just, I guess I'm just not an Anthony Joshua guy. And I think that is a winnable fight for Ngannou. And you're right. It is a massive fight. You know, Joshua's a huge, a huge star. Um, go out there and get your money. And now you're the A side, you know, go out and be, make it, make Ngannou versus Joshua because you're the A side get paid $50 million or $40 million or whatever the huge amount of money is uh, and stick around with boxing. Cause you're right. Like I'm with you. If he could get the John Jones fight, which I personally don't think would happen. Uh, but if you can't get that fight, who are you going to fight in MMA? That's going to even come close to that. Like there's nothing. Yeah, there's no one else. To, I'm with you. There's no one else to fight in MMA that again, and is the A side. He has to have a good B side now. Right. Cause he's not an A side to the point of like a Mayweather where he can fight any old scrub and, and it's still going to sell a huge pay-per-view. Like he's still an A side that needs a B side. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, you're right. He, and he, he needs, he needs somebody to, to, to draw alongside him, even though he is the A side, but yeah, you're absolutely right. And like him and 
random dude from PFL is not going to sell. Like it's yeah, just not, not going to do it. And, and it I'm doesn't mean sure, anything. I'm not sure why exactly that is, you know, like it's, it's one of those things that, um, you know, maybe Francis needs to win a couple more big fights to be that guy. I'm not sure, but like Mayweather was like one of those uh, rare cases where, you know, it did, it didn't matter who he fought. Like everybody was watching, everybody was buying. I don't, I don't think Francis is there yet. And I, but there's nothing wrong with that. That's a rare feat to get to like the McGregor Mayweather level where you could fight anybody and people are going to care. Right. Like you're there's, that's a rare feat in combat sports. Um, yeah, it doesn't really happen, you know, not often anyway. So I'm okay with that. I'm okay that he needs a good B side to sell a fight. Uh, but who's the B side in MMA? I mean, there's just nobody if he's not in the UFC and I like PFL, I do, but unfortunately heavyweights always been a razor thin division and John Jones is in the UFC. Steven Miocic is in the UFC. Sergey Pavlovich is in the UFC. Tom Aspinall's in the UFC. I mean, you know, I like Ryan Bader a lot, but is anyone going to clamor and put down $60, $70 to watch Francis Ngannou against Ryan Bader? I don't think so. Um, I'll you know. tell you what, man, I would I would love to see a Gano fight. <laughs> All those guys in the UFC you just listed, right? Yeah, Doesn't that's the, just... That's the downside. That just your eyebrows up, right? Yeah, that's the downside, though. Support for this episode comes from eBay. Whether it's a holy grail pair of sneakers, head-turning handbags, or one genuine wardrobe staple. If you're always on the hunt for that one wardrobe staple you just gotta have, eBay gets it. Nothing's more important than the real deal. When you shop on eBay, all you have to do is look out for that shiny blue checkmark that says Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll know that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo will be verified authentic through a detailed inspection. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Hi, I'm Neil Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. Right now on Decoder, we're doing a mini-series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around, generative AI. Our series dives deep into some of the most pressing issues surrounding generative AI, with expert Verge reporters covering the cutting-edge frontier of the industry. How could copyright lawsuits completely upend large language models and image generators? How big a problem is AI-generated misinformation for the 2024 election? And what kind of impact are AI chatbots having on human relationships? Decoder's AI series will help you understand what's going on, why, and where it might go from here. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Decoder wherever you get your podcasts. But, and, and listen, you know, I know a lot of people have said, you know, like Francis proved everybody wrong and he, everyone, because everyone said he fumbled the bag when he left the UFC and it took him a while to get a deal done and blah, blah, blah. I never said that. I said that, listen, patience, and I'm glad. I was happy for Francis. I'm very happy for Francis today. But I do want to say one other thing. I've heard a lot of people saying, man, Dana White must be living with regret today. Do you really think Dana gives a shit? Like, really? Dana, I mean, I'm sure in the back of his mind, Dana's like, you know, in a weird way, he might even be like, good for him. Uh, Dana's Dana's running the most profitable, the only profitable mixed martial arts organization in the world. I know for a fact none of the other organizations are making money. Uh, he's making the biggest revenues in history. He just signed a $100 million deal with Bud Light. Uh, you know, he's putting on fights every weekend and, 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 and UFC is selling out, you know, they're selling out arenas and selling pay-per-views and they got a big TV deal coming up next year. While I do think the UFC messed up, 
by not just working with Francis because this could have been a UFC top-ranked co-promotion and kept Francis in the UFC. I do think they messed up there. But do I think Dana is living with regret today? Like he's visiting a psychiatrist being like, I need help. I can't get past this mental hurdle that I lost Francis. No, Dana doesn't give a shit. Like I'm not saying that as an insult. I'm just being honest. Like Dana doesn't care. He's moving on to the next guy. That's why they, when they couldn't get Francis signed, they just immediately booked John Jones and Cyril gone. They didn't cry over spilt milk and say, we can't, we can't fathom having a heavyweight division without Francis and That's the difference between the UFC and all these other organizations is the UFC isn't built around one, Connor hasn't been around for over two years and the UFC's broken every financial record they've ever had in the last two years since Connor fought. So it's not about one guy in the UFC. I'm not saying it's right. And I'm not saying that the UFC didn't mess up by not re-signing Francis. I'm just pointing out Dana White is nowhere in his, in his $500 billion house and his, you know, 8 million cars. He's not, he's nowhere in there with a tissue wiping away the tears. Cause he lost Francis Agano. <laughs> Dude, that's a really good point, man. Cause I, I read a lot of that same stuff, but like, oh, Dana White must be fucking pissed right now or sad or whatever. And yeah, you're right, man. The, you know, Dana is a master businessman and he's around other master businessmen, you know, with Ari Emanuel, now Vince McMahon. Like these guys have strategies. They're going to keep dominating. And that's a fact. Like the UFC is not going anywhere. Like none of this brought the UFC down a fucking single iota right like it did not phase them one bit so yeah they're not but with that said they have to i I think they have to see the bigger picture here again i'm not a businessman like them i don't know what their business strategy is for the future and all that but if i'm personally if i'm dana white i'm looking at this like okay he went out there and boxed let's co-promote like let's go for the fucking big bucks because they are there now and he puts john jones up against him co-promotes and john jones wins i mean that just makes it make that's the way that dana can capitalize on this and everything works out now if john jones goes and loses i don't know you know what what happens there right but john jones goes out and dominates francis that that's a I, I think that I mean that's the way to go and, that, and how big of a fight is that yeah. I mean it, it just does like UFC doesn't lose any money I don't think even if John Jones lost like it, it's still the UFC the brand is the biggest brand in sports history probably right I think it's I think it's got to be you know when you when you think about um even like the NFL right like we still think of like, you know, those guys are playing football. When you talk about UFC fighters or you talk about guys that are fighting MMA, it's like, are you a UFC fighter or not? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not, if, if you're a football player, it's like, it's not, are you an NFL player or not? It's like, you know, okay, you're a football player, you know, or, or you know, it's like, are you an ultimate fighter? That's what they call you, right? It's like yeah. it's like Kleenexes, you know, like like they're tissues. They're not Kleenexes or Q-tips, like they're cotton swabs. You know, like UFC's brand is absolute monster. If I'm Dana, I go for it, man. Go for the co-promotion. 
Well, I also think in the reality is that I know there's going to be a lot of people that are being like, you're being a hater right now. I'm not being a hater. I'm just being honest. Like, I still think there's a great world where John Jones beats Francis Ngannou. Like, I don't think that that's, you know, John Jones. Yeah, there is. John Jones is the greatest mixed martial artist in history, in my opinion. There's no one John Jones can't beat. Like, I always said the fight that I wish we could have seen years ago was when Fran- when Cain Velasquez was at his peak. Him and yeah. him and John would have been a really fun fight because Kane yeah. just didn't give a shit. Like Kane would go out there and fight the biggest guy and just take it to him. And he was such a tremendous wrestler that I was like, that would be a really interesting way to negate John Jones. Well, I love Francis. Francis isn't a wrestler though. You know what I mean? He gets on his back against John Jones once. He may not get up again. John Jones yeah. will absolutely demolish you on the ground if he gets you there. Um Yeah, and, and John is such a smart fighter. That I again, I, I you know, I mean, we you you know me with Stipe. I love Stipe. I adore Stipe. That's my guy. But I wasn't going to pick him to beat John Jones right now. I'm just being honest. Like I would pick John Jones. I'd be big John Jones beat anybody uh, in and, mixed and martial arts. And here's like, what you do, Damon. If you're the UFC, you're going to co-promote with the with the PFL. You make sure there ain't no USADA involved, and you get John <laughs> to the fucking gills, boy. <laughs> you go out there. And, you know, you give John just a fucking have him work with the Russian government or something like get this dude used to the fucking max and, you know, have some fun with it. Yeah, I'm curious. You mentioned it earlier, Matt, because you are a boxing guy and I, I'll fully admit I know the big fights. I don't know all the fights. I'm not going to sit there and profess that I know boxing in and out like you do. You mentioned there are guys in mixed martial arts who could probably make that transition and maybe even make a way. Now, doing what Nganu did is a rare feat. We're both admitting that probably would never happen again and you know probably will never happen again. Um, who do you, who do you see? Like if you're looking at guys in the UFC who could be like who could make that move into boxing? Not saying anyone, not saying Sean O'Malley is going to be Devin Haney, which that just ain't going to happen. Um, but could make a could make a move. Who who are guys that you look at and say that's a guy who could make the move? I, I think a lot of them could. Uh, most of them that would come to mind first are older guys, though, like Max Holloway, um, Demetrius Johnson. Um, I think Calvin Qatar, you know, is a real good boxer. Brian Ortega. But again, the you know when you're talking about moving into boxing seriously. You know, like like seriously trying to make a run. Um, my audio just messed up. <laughs> my, no, you're good. My, you're good. My, my uh, Siri bubble popped up when I said seriously. <laughs> so, but you know, if, if they go trying to make a real run in boxing, you know, you got to start at a younger age, right? Most of them going in to try to fight champions. But those are the guys that come to mind first. Um, you know, you probably you follow. Um, all the different ways and stuff better. You might have a better. Um... I mean, I think, I mean, I think, you know, given enough time, do I think O'Malley could be a pretty decent boxer? Yeah. He's got power, you know, he's got range. He's long. Um, he's shown pretty good. You know, he's got a pretty good jab, things like that. Now that's a far cry from going in there fighting tank Davis or, or, you know, Devin Haney, but, you know, could he make a wave? Sure. I think that's, I like your Max Holloway idea. I know Max is a little older and maybe towards the like latter half of his career, but he's still an incredible striker, incredible boxer, yeah. man. And at that weight class at 145 or whatever's right or 147, I think in boxing, like, I think that's a, 
that's a possibility. I think Dustin Poirier is another guy. If he really dedicated himself to it, he could go in and make some waves in his well, big and, enough and, name. And that's my my first problem is, you know, these guys around like 145 in boxing, that's 147. You're looking at like Crawford and Spence. Like, yeah. I, nobody's beating those guys. No, you know? no, uh, no, you're not. You're not beating those guys. It's not going to be a Tyson Fury situation. You're going to get diced up and demolished by the, the, the that's the highest, highest level of the sport. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Like, I like, I, again, I think there's fun things out there. And I think, you know, Francis just opened the door, though. We got to admit that. Like, he just opened the door to everyone's going to be like, I can do this. Now, you know, can you go fight Terrence Crawford and win? No. Um, that ain't going to happen. But, you know, maybe there's an opportunity where someone gets a chance to fight another bigger name guy. I mean, we got to admit, even Francis Ngannou doing it was a special thing because he was the UFC heavyweight champion of the world. Uh, not the average fighter is going to get an opportunity to go over and fight, you know, Dimitri Bivol or Artur Beterbiev or any of these guys. Like you're not just Canelo. you're not just going to sign up or yeah, Canelo. You're not going to just sign up and be like, I'm going to fight Canelo. Um, you got to be a name to draw interest. And honestly, Sean O'Malley is probably the biggest name of those guys. Like that could really draw a crowd and actually has like a real big fan base right now. But dude, you don't want to throw him in there with Tank Davis or or Devin yeah. Haney. And even when you're talking about like Tank Davis, I mean, he's a 135, 132 or whatever it is in boxing, you know, so he's still moving up 10, 15 pounds or Sean comes down one or the other. And I mean, dude, you're not beating Tank. Like, like you better go be, you better go get a hundred amateur boxing matches. You know what I mean? Like you bet, but we, you know, to be fair, like we said the same thing about Tyson Fury and, and the, but that's again where I say the heavyweight division is just different. They're just it's just not as good as we thought it was. You know, I, I was kind of on that train that the the heavyweight division's coming back and it's starting to actually be good. We got like a great champion in Fury. We got some good contenders and you know, kind of like back in the day, um, you know, obviously like the sixties and the eighties were pretty solid and um or I mean the nineties were pretty solid. Um now I'm like, I'm like, no, it's just not that good, bro. But no. when you look at the lower weight classes, where you're looking at, you know, the 147s, 168s, I mean, I mean, like, like none of these, not, like nobody in at 170s going in and fucking with David Benavidez. And he's not even the top guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. What do you think of, uh, what do you think of Usyk now? Do you think Usyk beats Fury? Dude, I, I think he has a really, really good shot. You know, it's it's just tough to say because Usyk is so much smaller. Like he, yeah. I mean, he is not a big guy. Like I, I'm shocked that he's done as well as he has at heavyweight. Um, but but only because of his size. Like he's more skilled than I think any of the heavyweights out there. Um, but I'll tell you what, if I'm putting money on it, I'm putting my money on Usyk. Yeah, it's interesting. It's an interesting matchup, and I'll be curious because. Tyson's going to react one of two ways. He's either going to feel embarrassed and he needs to go out there and prove himself and he really needs to put it on Usyk, or maybe we're just seeing the decline and downfall of Tyson Fury. Like, it's one of the two because you go out there and you go to a split decision with a guy who's never fought boxing before ever, uh, you better show that either that was a complete fluke and you just had a bad night and, you know, he just got the better of you that night, or or you're on the downcline, you're on the downside of your career, you're on the decline, because you can't have that kind of performance against other 
guys like that. And I think Usyk is really good, again, but I'm with you, though. The problem is he's so much smaller. Like, when you saw them stand next to each other, they really did look like they're in different weight classes. Like, yeah. Also, and I do want to give one other thing I want to give credit to, to Ngannou to. They mentioned this in the broadcast, which, to their credit, uh, Tim Bradley and I think it's uh, uh, Jim Tessitore, I think it's his name, Tessitore, the broadcasters are boxing guys, so of course they're not as familiar with the MMA guys. But they mentioned one of the things that Tyson Fury loves to do in his fights, he loves to to weigh on guys. He pushes them around and, and wears them out like that. Did you notice he could not do that to Ngannou? Ngannou was muscling him around. Ngannou was kind of throwing him around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, what, what was also interesting, I didn't realize, like, you know, Tyson was younger than him, too. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't realize that that Angana was even that old. Thirty-seven. You know, yeah, yeah. And and Tyson's what 33, 34? 35, 35, I think thirty-five. Yeah, still yeah, a couple years younger. younger yeah. And actually, a lot bigger than um, Angano. Like he, you know, he was a lot bigger than I thought he was going to be uh, versus Angano. I thought Angano would be closer to his size. So. Yeah, yeah. To your point, look, Usyk is, is just a small guy, man. I, I would have liked to see him go down a weight versus coming up to heavyweight, you know, because he just he doesn't look um, as as ripped and shredded and everything at heavyweight. Um, but so far, his skill has carried him because he is that skilled. Is he skilled enough to beat a guy as big as Tyson? And you know, Tyson does have skill too, so. Um, but I, I'm leaning towards Usyk, man. I think his skill can really take him a long way. Well, that's also why I think that uh, Ngannou needs to strike while the iron's hot and book that fight with Anthony Joshua because if Usyk beats Fury, not to say you can't still go out there and beat Tyson Fury and fight him again, but a lot of the attention of that rematch doesn't necessarily go away, but it does lose a little bit of luster if he goes out and gets beat by Usyk. Um, now, if he beats Usyk, then it makes the rematch that much bigger, of course. But you're yeah. you're kind of playing that. You're playing. You're gambling at that point. Go out and book the Joshua fight because you know it's going to be a big fight. You're going to get paid a huge amount of money, and you're going to get to fight again soon versus having to wait maybe you know eight months to a year, you know, waiting for Fury to fight Usyk and then hope he wins, and then you get to book the rematch. You know what I mean? And even then, it's not a guarantee. Fury may be like, I got away with one. I never want to see that dude again. Uh, we had there was no rematch clause. There was nothing guaranteeing they'd have to fight again. So you know you're gambling on Fury winning and then Fury wanting to fight you again. Why not just go for the big payday and fight Anthony Joshua, a fight that you and I both say he can win uh, and make that big bag of money? Like why not go do that? Because it is a big fight, and Francis just made himself, as I said earlier, he made himself the A side now. Yeah, yeah. No. I don't know if he's still the A side versus Joshua in Europe, though, right? Uh, maybe not. Maybe not. But it's it, but but he's he's on somewhat equal enough. foot. Yeah, he's on. He's, he's on big enough. They split. Yeah, it's big. I think it's big enough. They do a 50-50 split. Yeah, I mean that's huge. You know, and and chances are it's going to be in Saudi Arabia. Let's be honest. Like they're gonna after okay. what they got on Saturday, they're gonna pay to get a big fight like that again. Like they're gonna pay a huge amount of money to get those guys over there and, and put on another show like this. So 
Um, yeah, I don't know how all that works exactly because I, I think uh, Anthony Joshua was with Eddie Hearn, right? So he um, is. But Eddie Hearn was there. I mean, Eddie Hearn was at the fight. He was already talking yeah. to the to the guys, and you know, Eddie Hearn was before the fight. Eddie Hearn's like Joshua's not interested in these gimmick fights, and now today he's already pushing for it. He's like, ah, AJ and <laughs> AJ and Fear, AJ and Engano is the fight to make. Well, uh, hey, hey, I, I get where he's coming from. It was a gimmick fight until Engano said it is not a gimmick fight, right? Like <laughs> if Fury went out there and knocked him out in a few rounds you know nobody be interested in watching and got to fight anybody else in boxing so you know I, I i totally get where he's coming from yeah absolutely um i mentioned it earlier we talked about john jones fighting francis which i agree and in a perfect world i'm 100 with you that's the biggest fight you could possibly make but of course we got the news last week really like the day after we did our show that john jones suffered a torn pectoral muscle and he's been forced out of his fight with steve miocic they end up booking your boy sergey pavlovich the guy you've been super high on taking on tom aspinall we'll break down that fight next week because we're going to do our full ufc 295 preview next week we got that fight and of course yuri prohoshka and um and uh, alex Pereira. we'll talk that we'll break those down next week on next week's podcast but matt obviously that news was unfortunate um and I like what Dana said afterwards with Stipe. He's like, it would be disrespectful to ask Stipe to fight for an interim title. He's the greatest heavyweight of all time. Let's be honest, though. It wasn't about the disrespect to Stipe or interim titles. It was John Jones and Stipe is a massive fight. Don't fuck with it. Like, they know they can do it. It'll still be a big fight next July. Don't mess with it. Don't take the chance that Sergey goes out and flatlines Stipe which, by the way, I'm not saying he would. I'm just saying he could, and then that goes away. And don't get me wrong, Sergey Pavlovich is a freaking monster, but Sergey and John Jones is just not as big of a fight as John Jones and Stipe. That's what it really was about. They're just like, let's not mess with this. Let's just let them stay and get ready in July. You said it, Damon. <laughs> yeah, you said it perfect. You know, the only thing is, like, I guess they didn't even ask Stipe. I wish they would have asked him. You know, yeah. like I, you know, because. I find it interesting to say that Dana would say that it's disrespectful to ask him. And I don't know. I kind of feel like it's disrespectful not to ask him, you know, and if he turns it down to, Hey, you know, that's not, um, you know, we're not going to look at you any differently, but I would have liked to see them ask Stipe. Cause I think Stipe might've wanted it or, you know, maybe he needs the money. Who knows? Right. Like, uh, you know, the, who knows the situation or maybe he's hungry to get back in there, you know? So I would like to see them ask Stipe, um, regardless of whether he took it or not, you know, wouldn't look at him any differently. No, I with you. They should have at least asked him. Like I agree with you there, but uh, we, but we both know what's going on. The reality is they yeah, didn't ask. Yeah, they yeah. didn't. They didn't ask him because they thought maybe he might say yes, and then they actually had to promote that fight, and then they're risking the big payday with Jones yes. and, and Stipe next year, and that is still and because. Well, well, they also they probably knew that he would say yes. <laughs> Stipe's probably. Cause he, I mean, he's training hard, right? Like he's in yeah. shape for getting ready for John fucking Jones. He's <laughs> training his balls off. He, he doesn't want that to all to go to waste. So he's probably, they know he's probably going to say yes. <laughs> and they're like, well, uh, we can't risk that one because guess what? John Jones and Stipe is a massive fight. And they know it's a massive fight. Also, the other reality is, and I think we were going to talk about this next week, Matt, but the reality is John Jones and Stipe can fight. And I think there's a real good chance both guys retire after, like win or lose. Like there's a chance yeah. they both like I think there's less of a chance for John. Like we've talked about many times that John could potentially break that all time heavyweight title defense record, which would 
I mean, not that he's not already cemented as the greatest of all time, but that would just put him in a category all his own. So I think there's a chance John would continue fighting, but I think if Stipe wins, what's he going to do? You beat John Jones. Well, you're going to go fight Tom Aspinall. You're going to go fight Sergey Pavlovich. You're going to go fight uh, Jelton Almeida. Like what? You just beat John Jones, and you're 42. Like what are you really doing? Like you've already broken. You already own the record. You're already considered the greatest heavyweight of all time. What are you going to do after that? Like I think there's a real world where John fights Stipe, and the winner and the loser retire. Yeah, I agree with you. I'd like to see him go. I'd like to see either one of those guys that wins. Yeah, fight all of them. You know, fight the interim champ, fight Jelton Almeida and Pavlovich and Aspinall. I want to see them all throw it down, man. Like, you know, fuck the legacy and the money. Like, just go out there and fight, man. Be a warrior. Yeah, but well, you and I both know that's not the reality of what happens sometimes. I mean, no, it's not. And that's, you know, that's, uh, that mentality of my own has got me in trouble at times, too. You know, so. You know, I, I just like like seeing fights, man. And I, I think, um, you know, I, I don't know. That's just the way I've always felt. It's like, you know, we're fighters. So that's fighters fight, right? Yeah, I mean, you take I mean, you you take a risk every single time you step in there, whether you're fighting a nobody or you're fighting a 10-time world champion. Like, you're taking a risk no matter what when you're fighting. You know what I mean? Like, that's kind of the point of fighting. Like, I remember what Islam Makachev said when – uh, when Charles Oliveira got injured, he called Dana and said, okay, just give me a name. Like, I'm a fighter. I'm the best in the world. I should be able to beat whoever you throw at me. And guess what? He did. He went out there and knocked out Alexander Volkanovsky uh, yeah. in the first round. So I appreciate that mentality. But I also understand the other well, side of it, you know, with preparation and, you know, you're getting ready for a world yeah. title fight. Like, I, 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 like when John Jones, when that whole debacle happened years ago with Dan Henderson and Shell Sonnen, I defended John Jones because I said, yeah, listen, you're asking a world-class fighter who's prepared for one guy for months and you're just asking him on a whim to switch to a different guy on, you know, two weeks notice or 11 days notice or whatever it is. I always say celebrate the guys who take short notice fights, but never ever condemn a guy who doesn't because we're supposed yeah. to treat this like a professional sport, right? Yeah, I totally agree, man. Um, yeah, I think that's a really great quote, actually. So, I, I couldn't not agree more. That's that's exactly right, man. Um, like like in my younger days, like I took short notice fights all the time, and now I can't. You know, so uh, yeah, I don't hate anybody for not doing that. Um, you know, Islam when he said that, I think it was a. You know, we have to remember the context of that too, because you know he's already in shape. He's ready to fight. Whoever he's fighting is coming in on a week or two notice. So he's going to have the advantage uh, no matter what, right? So it's easy to say that in that point, even though I think Islam would say that at any point also. I think he's always ready to fight. He's a savage, man. So, um, but man, that's a really good quote. You should hang out on the wall. It's true. I've said it a lot. Like, I just think it's true. Like, you can't, you can't condemn a guy for not taking a short notice fight. Like, you know, like, Matt Brown, you are a freaking savage. No one would ever question that you're a savage. But if they called you and said, hey, we need you to fight in seven days right now, you couldn't do it. Guess what? That doesn't make you a lesser fighter because you just said, I don't want to fight in seven days. Like, that doesn't make any lesser of you because of that. Like, that's just the reality of the situation. Yeah, and the the problem, at least for me, and I'm guessing for other guys, is the weight. It's not that I couldn't be ready to fight and go in there and give a good showing or whatever, but, um, you know, a lot of us, definitely me, I know a lot of other guys, it takes us four to six weeks just to get the weight off comfortably. 
Yeah. Well, I think that's why you can get Newsman to go to middleweight and fight Chamaya because right. he's not cutting the weight. He's not killing himself or, to get down the weight. We're both coming up to 155. Yeah. Like if that was Usman taking short notice against Leon again, he probably couldn't do it. Like there's no way he could do it on 11 days notice. Uh, he could do it on, he can do a middleweight fight on 11 days notice, but not the other way around. Uh, but yeah, just, I just, I've never he believed did it. Great too. Like what a, what a goddamn professional. He was in shape. Fucking. Uh, arguably beat Hamza on fucking 12 days notice. Like what a savage, man. You got to give so much props to Usman. I love it. I absolutely love it. But yeah, like I'm not surprised the UFC went this route because the reality is Matt, as I said, I think there's a, there's a real world where Stipe and John fight and they both retire and then you got to move on. Well, guess what? Now they booked another heavyweight title fight, you know, two weeks from now and they'll move on. Like the winner of Sergey and Tom Aspinall could move on the division. This happened before. A lot of people forget. This actually happened a couple of years ago when George St. Pierre fought Michael Bisping. Robert Whitaker was the interim champion. Robert Whitaker beat Yoel Romero to become interim champion. He was interim champion when Michael Bisping fought George St. Pierre. George St. Pierre won and then dropped the belt a month later and went on about his life. And Robert Whitaker never fought him. And then Robert Whitaker went on and became champion and did all the things he did. I think that's what's going to happen. I think there's a real good chance that's what happens here. John mm. Jones comes back, International Fight Week 2024, massive fight with Stipe Miocic, Vegas, all that. And then let's say Sergey goes out and knocks out Tom Aspinall next weekend. Guess what? Sergey's the interim champ. They can build it up just like they did with GSP. GSP's going to fight Whitaker. It's going to happen. We all knew it probably wasn't going to happen. It didn't happen, and guess what? Robert Robert Whitaker was just the new champion, and they'll do the same thing here. Sergey or Tom Aspinall will just become champion, assuming John and or Stipe retires. Like if they just move on, you know what I mean? Like they're setting it up in a way that they can just move on to division without really messing things up. To be honest, now here's the conspiracy theory. So. John Jones gets injured about a week after it is announced that USADA <laughs> will no longer be part of the UFC. Coincidence or no? No, because I mean, they're still doing a doping program. Like they're still going to be drug testing guys. I don't know how yeah, it's going to compare. Not, I'm not, I'm not promoting the conspiracy <laughs> by the way. I sound like I am. I'm saying this is the conspiracy out there. I don't, I don't, I don't buy that. I, cause here's the thing. And I, and I mean this in all sincerity and, and my own personal adoration for Stephen Miocic. I don't think, I think John Jones was ready. And I think John Jones would have won. Like, unless again, I'm not saying he couldn't lose. Stephen Miocic could absolutely knock out John Jones. Absolutely win that fight. I'm just saying on paper, John Jones, in my opinion, would have won that fight. I think he really just got injured because you look at his career. John's only ever dropped out of one fight for injury ever in his career. You know what I mean? Like it was a freakish thing. It happened. Um, I like the conspiracy theory, but I don't, I don't, subscribe. <laughs> I don't, I don't no, subscribe totally, to it. I'm totally with you. And, and you know, if you're, if you're a betting man, I mean, I think the odds are probably for John Jones in that fight, right? Like if you just look at it, like you said, on paper, just matchup wise, you know, it is MMA, right? So, you know, fuck, nothing makes sense in this sport, <laughs> <laughs> right? We can only go, we can only pick 
who we think is going to win based off of the history. And that history never has anything to do with what happens on that night, it seems like. But that's all we can base our pick on. So if we base the pick off the history, we pick John Jones. But that, that's like one of the, the most coolest things about this sport. Right? It, it, like when you watch football, I just started getting into football this year more because my kids are into it a lot. And, you know, so every Sunday they're with me, like they're like, dad, I'm going to watch the game. And I'm like, all right, we'll watch. And so I kind of start getting into it. Right. And I, I guess it sounds like this season's been a little bit wild, but you know, you can take the history you know, this team beat this team. They beat, they got a good defense, good offense. You you can add all that up, and there's a very high probability of who's going to win, right? In this sport, like you could – all the paper could line up and, you know, you could take this guy that has never even fought in the UFC before and come in and beat the hell out of the champion, you know, because it's MMA, not because it adds up and not because it makes sense, not because it's supposed to work that way. It's because we got the most brand. It's like a fucking slot machine you know, with this sport, you know. <laughs> I know, I, I know how good. Like in reality, I know how good Alex Prairie is. But in reality, a guy in his eighth professional fight and his like third UFC fight should not become middleweight champion. Like that doesn't compute, right? Like it should not really right. happen. And I know, yes, of course, he's an incredible striker. I'm not discounting that. I'm just saying, like in reality, nobody should be able to do that. And he did it. He beat, he beat, knocked out, you know, Israel Adesanya, who was at that time number one or two pound for pound in the sport, you know, like that. Sh- I don't care their history. I don't care how good he was. I've seen lots of great kickboxers come over to MMA and got, get their dick knocked in the dirt. Okay. It doesn't mean you're, I saw, I saw Khalil Roundtree knock out Gokan Saki. And Gokan Saki. That's what came to my mind. <laughs> Gokan Saki is as world-class as a kickboxer as you will ever find. He got absolutely w- waylaid when he fought Khalil Roundtree. So don't tell me just because Alex was a world-class kickboxer, he just had he just had Adesanya's number. No, he 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 was skilled and he did it, but he shouldn't have done it. That shouldn't have happened. Sean Strickland, by all accounts, even as, as many fights as Sean Strickland has, shouldn't have beaten Israel Adesanya. No, we both said, like, it's not going to happen. And then guess what happened? It happened. Uh, <laughs> MMA, you're right. MMA is wildly unpredictable. And uh, you know what? And I think my prediction is that it's going to become more predictable because we're going to have more athletes like John Jones, which uh, before I even get into that, look, that's where you have to give extra credit to John Jones, Demetrius Johnson, GSP, uh, Anderson Silva, the guys that were very long-term consistent because that is the game here that we're playing. Like it's a new puzzle every time and your style could, you could have such a great style but just one bad style matchup could ruin the whole thing. And the way that these guys have done it consistently for so long and at, at such a high level fighting the top guys. And you got to give even more credit to John Jones, um, regardless of what you think of him as a person, like dealing with all of these outside issues and still staying consistent. I mean, it, it's a little bit like psychopathic, but that's, you know, in a good way, you know, um, and, you know, you got to give the same type of credit to like a GSP who was dominant for so long, but was on that clean path the whole time, right? Like he stayed on it. Uh, yeah, I'm sure he had temptation every day to get pulled off of it or Demetrius Johnson. And, you know, the point is this whole, all of these guys, the, the fact that they're that consistent for that long 
is a seriously and this sport is a serious uh, uh, achievement. Absolutely. And when you say psychopathic, in a weird way, I take that as a compliment because I think every fighter on some level is that, right? Like you have to be a little, you can't be all the way there in the head to want to go into a cage and battle another person. You know, you got to have, you got to, you always got to be a little bit off in that regard. But I, I think that psychopathic comment's actually true in John's case because no matter what, no matter what that guy had going on, and I'm not saying that a lot of it wasn't his fault because it absolutely was. But somehow, some way, he still stepped in there and absolutely wrecked shop against the yeah. best guys. I mean, to be to do what he did, like where he was supposedly doing cocaine three weeks before fighting Daniel Cormier, one of the highest level mixed martial artists in history, and to go out there and beat him pretty once, you know, pretty dominant fashion. That's insane. That yeah. should never happen. John Jones is a freak amongst freaks. And then George St. Pierre is another one. He was a striker his entire career. He got knocked out, had a bad night with Matt Sarah, adapted his style, and became a world-class wrestler. A world-class. Like if, if I'm telling you if George St. Pierre decided he wanted to do Olympics, I'm not saying he would have won a gold medal. I'm saying if he really wanted to become an Olympic wrestler, he could have done it. And he didn't wrestle really until he was probably in his twenties. That never well, happened. He started at a young age and dedicated his life to wrestling. He'd been a gold medalist. Oh yeah. hundred percent. I don't doubt it for one second. hundred percent. But I'm saying even at that level, like even at that stage of his career, when he started wrestling, he probably could have like gotten to an Olympic team. Like that's how yeah, freakish yeah. of an athlete he was. You know what I mean? Demetrius Johnson, my biggest knock on Demetrius has always been, he just didn't have the same level of competition, but in terms of skill, He's maybe the most skilled fighter ever. Like, putting it all together, I don't know there's ever been a more skilled mixed martial artist than Demetrius Johnson. He's a freak of nature. Like, he's just a freak of nature. Yeah, and I know a lot of people, they knock on his level of competition, but when his level of competition did step up, Henry Cejudo, for instance, you know, he lived up to the hype. Yeah. I mean, I know Henry beat him once, but... You know, he beat Henry once too. Like, yeah, and Henry beat him once by split decision. It wasn't like Henry went out there and you know dominated right. him. Like, and that, well, that's well, not a knock, by the way. I'm just saying, like, he didn't go out there and absolutely demolish Demetrius Johnson. He beat him by split decision. So, right, which uh, Demetrius did to him the first time, right? pretty much wrecked shop. Yeah, and, and that's the, you know, that's the thing is, uh, you know, he did have some very, very high level uh, competitions. He did, and he and stepped then, up, and, and, and he showed that everything that he was doing to the lower level of competition guys wasn't a fluke and then he goes over to one championship and he's fighting guys who are 20 30 pounds heavier than him and he's still beating them i mean which yeah ridiculous yeah and even fuck man even that first round that he had with rod tang where he could only do muay thai i mean that was impressive like that's fucking rod tang you're talking about (laughs) yeah yeah i mean i know he choked him out in the second round which was pretty much guaranteed you know if it got there you we knew that was going to happen but the way that he hung in the first round and the way he, I don't know that he completely like lost the first round, you know, like he's a, that's, that's fucking sick, bro. <laughs> that's fucking Rod Tang. That dude is a monster. You do not do that to Rod. Like the best Muay Thai guys in the world can't do that to Rod Tang. <laughs> right. Now, to be fair, if I think if it was like five rounds of Muay Thai, you know, I, I don't, I'm not sure what would happen there, but it's hard to imagine that you know, Demetrius would beat Rod Tank, but I'd love to see DJ do some of the Muay Thai in one. 
And, and and he also just won the worlds too. And yeah, jujitsu. Yeah, yeah. No, DJ's just he's a free. He's another one. He's a freaking nature. Like there's nothing that guy can't do. He's yeah, I, tra- I trained with him when he was an amateur. I was out at AMC, and everybody was talking about how great he was going. Everybody knew then. I mean, I, I think he had his first amateur fight when I was out there, and everybody knew right then he was going to be a champion. And and the the amazing thing about him is he was, was still working 40 hours a week driving a forklift. Like, that's how he was surviving all the way up until, I think, until he won the title. I know he was still in the UFC when he was driving a forklift 40 hours a week. I mean, this guy is a special son of a bitch. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's unreal, like, that kind of talent. Speaking real quick before we get out of here, I uh, interviewed uh, Jonathan Haggerty a couple days ago. The uh, Ooh, one you, you should have brought me in on that. Yeah, he was. Uh, he's fighting. Uh, he's fighting the kickboxing title against uh, Fabricio Andrade. The MMA. Oh, I can't believe you left me hanging on that one. I know. I got. I got, I got an opportunity to talk to Jonathan Haggerty. That dude's a savage too, man. I, I was watching some of his highlight videos. Him kicking. I was like, good god. Uh, no, Haggerty is a special, special guy, and especially coming from the UK, going over there, beating those ties the way he does um, when he beat Nongo, that absolutely blew me away. I did not expect that. I mean, even back in the day when he beat Sam a, I was, uh, I was surprised, but I knew, you know, also Sam a is a little bit older and probably didn't really care that much, but the way that he beat Nongo uh, recently, like, like, holy shit. Like, like, I mean, he beat the hell out of Nongo. He didn't beat him. He knocked him out. Like he knocked him out. He didn't just beat him. He knocked him out. <laughs> Well, that's what I mean. He beat the hell out of him. Yeah, like, yeah. And, and, I mean, that that is impressive work, man. Jonathan Haggerty is an absolute special guy. Um, I, I can't wait to see. Who's he fighting next? Uh, Fabricio uh, Andrade. Yeah, he's, you know, that's not a great fight, I don't think. You know, pretty easy fight for – not easy fight for Haggerty, but, you know, that that's something he should win. Very winnable fight for Haggerty, but a good name. Yeah. He's, he's a champion, and he's a one mixed martial arts champion – so you get that little bit of name recognition on there. So, um, yeah, but I talked to him and I immediately thought of you because I was like, I bet you Matt knows Jonathan Haggerty. Oh yeah. I've been watching him for years, man. Um, even before he was in one, before he was you know, really famous, I've been watching him for a very long time. Um, like I said, I, I, I knew a long time ago, he was going to be a special talent, man. And, yeah, I can't believe you left me hang on the interview. I'd I know, love to I know, I know. Chatted with them a little bit, talk shop a little bit, talk about clinching a little bit, some elbows. Uh, so I've learned a lot watching him, actually. He's one of those guys that, you know, I, I actually – there's a few, not a ton, but there's a few guys. I don't watch a lot of MMA to learn. You know, you get little things here and there watching MMA, but I take all the traditional sports and learn from them. Um, and Jonathan Haggerty is one of those guys that I watch and I learn things and I practice, you know, basically imitating what he does on a regular basis. Well, maybe everything goes well for him this weekend. Maybe we'll get him on the show afterwards. We can have a little breakdown with Matt Brown talking to Jonathan Haggerty. Cause I'm sure that'll be a educational piece for everybody. Cause that would be an amazing conversation. I would love to. Yeah. Don't leave me hanging. I will not. I promise. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. 
To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Uh, Matt, what else you got going on? I know you're always busy. You're just in Jersey, so you're always traveling. You always got a million things going on. What's going on this week? Uh, yeah, well, I was in Jersey last week. They're doing this, um, you know, this uh, team competition for MMA fighters and called MMA Pro League. You know, hopefully it'll be a good thing. We'll see kind of how it works out. But it was a fun weekend. Had uh, one of my guys up there, and he dominated, had his first debut amateur fight. Um, but he's going to be an absolute killer. His name's Gavin Baisden, and he's just going to be an absolute – he's one of my best training partners. And um, he, he just wanted to – wait a long time to fight he's just one of those guys you know that he was like i want to be really good before i started stepping in there and uh, um, he was uh ranked number two in the state wrestling here in ohio uh been training clinch with me and stand up with me for a few years now and um doing jujitsu every day just an absolute killer so had a great time with him um the other guy was kind of funny story uh you know so they weighed in it's the same day weigh in they weigh in um face off and then we come to the locker room about an hour or two later get the physicals done and the guy literally just walks out <laughs> like, i've never seen it. like he literally i'm i'm just standing there watching i thought he's going to the restroom and he just leaves the hotel he's like i'm not fighting <laughs> so my other guy uh didn't get to fight so. that's wild he just left he literally just left like we thought he went to the restroom you know and then uh, I think, you know, it's 20, 30 minutes later, we're like, oh, man, your opponent, like, never came back from the restroom, bro. Like, is he puking or taking a shit or what? And someone went and checked the restroom. He wasn't there. And I'm like, dude, no one can find him. And, yeah, he never he never came back. So Did you ever hear what happened to him? Did he just peace out or what happened? Never heard. Never heard. <laughs> um, I never really followed up either. But, you know, it, I think it's a testament to the – how intense this sport really is and people don't realize you know how fucking scary this sport is man you know when you step in there um but like i don't know I, the guy had had fights before so he'd been in there he knew what it was he knew what he was getting into um you know this sport tests your manhood through oh, and through. Test all your balls man I remember years and years and years ago when I was living in Cincinnati and I was actually training at that time. And I love mixed martial arts. I mean, I think that's pretty clear. I love the sport. And I, some promoter in Ohio, and I can't remember who it was. It, w- it wasn't like a no-name guy, but it was like a local show in Cincinnati. And he's like, hey, we're doing a show. And there's a guy who lost his opponent. He's not very good. I'm being honest with you. He's like an older guy. He needs an opponent. Uh for I I can't I, I want to say it was amateur maybe I can't it had to be amateur but anyways he's like he needs an opponent like I don't like because I had known him a little bit through like the MMA circles and he's like do you want to fight him like do you want to go in and have a fight and I was in my twenties yeah. you know I was in good shape yeah me I was I was in good shape uh, and this was this was God this was years ago this was many many years ago and so he's like do you want to fight and I thought about it for a split second I was like you know what like I've trained. I was working with my buddies in college who were in wrestling and football. And I was like kind of teaching them. Like I was learning and kind of teaching them. So I was feeling, feeling pretty confident about myself. Right. And I just thought about it for a day and I was like, you know what? I'm just, I'm not built for it, man. Like, I'm just not like, I love this sport. That's why I have so much admiration for fighters because 
in that moment, I'm like, I love it, but I, it's just not me, man. I'm just not, I'm not that dude. Like if I, if you, if you, if you approach me on the street and I have to defend myself, I will defend myself. I will fucking fight you. But like, I'm just not, that's just not me. I me? love this. I'm just not, huh? Me? I mean, I'll lose, but I mean, I'll try <laughs> for like eight seconds until it's over. Uh, <laughs> But like I like I just in that moment I'm like you know what it's just not for me like I love this sport I just I, I just I don't have it in me man I'm just not that dude like I'm just and I that's why I have such admiration for fighters because I can admit I'm not that guy like I'm not I love this sport but it takes a special person to step in there and do this especially at your level Matt but I'm saying like at any level like I'm just not that dude like I appreciate anybody who does it Cause when I thought about it, I was like, you know what? I like training. I enjoy doing this. I enjoy doing that, but I'm just, I'm not, that's not me. I'm not built for it. And I can admit that I'm not, I'm not like denying that. I fully admit that. That's why I have so much admiration for guys like yourself who like love doing it and you're amazing at doing it. Cause it takes so much to get in there, man. Like it takes a lot of fucking balls to get in there and do that. For sure. And there's, there, there is a line too between balls and stupidity. Cause <laughs> so, so here's the interesting thing, right? So I go in last weekend is a, a good case of this last weekend. So I'm coaching team Ohio, right? I bring two, there's five guys on the team. I only got two guys coming from my gym, uh, mainly because he wasn't really trying to buy flights for everybody. And, you know, it's an amateur fight, right? He's not trying to go broke. Um, buying flights and hotels and food for everybody and everything. So, so I get assigned guys that the promoter had pulled in. Right. Um, so I ended up with two other guys that I'd never met before, three other guys that I'd never met before and, you know, had to fight this night. Right. One guy, he was a Ray Longo guy, a Sambo guy from Georgia, uh, friends with Marab, um, just a, you know, a real killer, right? Like he belonged in there. Uh, one guy, I don't know. He, he put up a good fight. Um, definitely, uh, had some experience. So fair enough. One guy, my third guy, stupidity got him in the cage. <laughs> right? This wasn't courage. This wasn't balls. This was stupidity. So the guy comes in, he had to make weight. He has to put on weight. He weighed in the the pre-weigh-ins in the morning and he's like three pounds underweight. Okay. He's already chunky. So <laughs> I, I come out, uh, see him about 10 minutes later and he's chugging a gallon of milk, which I have no idea where the fuck he got a gallon of milk in 10 minutes from. <laughs> so oh he God. obviously had it in his hotel room already. So he's chugging a gallon of milk. And I started talking to him. I say, hey, you know, what's your experience, whatever you, He's like, well, I train my backyard. He said, my dad trains me. He's a Marine. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, like, do you do jujitsu, Muay Thai? He's like, no, no, no. He's, he said, all that stuff's bullshit. You don't, you don't, uh, how do he say it? He said, you don't train single sports. You have to train everything. He, he said, the Chinese had it right. Like, you know, start quoting the Jeet Kune Do shit. Oh <laughs> he my said, God. the Chinese had it right. And I said, okay, well, what's your game plan against this guy? This guy's a good wrestler, and he's uh the dude was the dude he was fighting was just absolutely jacked, probably juiced out of his fucking mind, right? Just shredded like a Greek guy. And I said, All right, well, what's your game plan? And he goes, I'm gonna do the six-inch punch to his solar plexus. Oh my god. 
And at that point I said, dude, there's no hope here. <laughs> and, and so I'm supposed to coach this guy. So I said, okay, well, I'll give you two things. My first thing I'm going to tell you is you probably shouldn't fight this guy. Like you should probably just go home right now. Forget <laughs> about this. Number two, if you're going to do this, I'm going to teach you a sprawl and that's it. Cause this dude's going to take you down. He's going to choke you the fuck out. Well, he wasn't interested in learning a sprawl and wasn't learning, wasn't interested in going home. So he went out and got choked out. Oh my God. So exactly what you said happened, happened. Exactly. So, but it, it was one of the most comical things. Ever. But that's the, the point. The moral of the story is not all of the guys that step into octagons have balls and courage and bravery. There is a niche, a group, maybe a small group, maybe a large group. I'm not sure of guys who go in because they're too fucking dumb. <laughs> well, there's, and, there's the, there's the difference. I'm not, I'm, I know I'm not that dude. And I'm also, I'm a pretty smart guy. I'm not dumb enough to know, think I can go in there and just fucking fight somebody. Well, that there I respect also. I respect that you're not dumb enough to go in there. Like you're smart enough to wreck. And this is where, okay. If a guy comes into my gym on day one says, I want to be a fighter. What's your advice? My first advice to every person that says that is know yourself, know who the fuck you are. Like, know like what you're going in there for, why you're doing this, know what your strengths and weaknesses are. I do a SWAT profile of my fighters, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And when I break down fights, I do a SWAT for me and the opponent, compare the two. But the point is that you got to know who you are and what your purpose is. Right. Like, like, are you going in because you want to have fun? Like there's guys like one of my, the, my guy that was fighting last weekend that um, his guy backed out. He didn't really care. Right. Like he's not trying to be a UFC fighter. He he actually wants to coach guys and wants to get the experience and learn how to fight. Um, he has a great job. Like he makes a, you know, hundred K a year, you know, so he knows himself, right. He knows what he wants to do. My other guy, Gavin, like, like I said, he's a, um, a at least a college level wrestler, you know, maybe all American level. I've seen him go with all Americans and do fine. Um, you know, and he wants to be in the UFC. So he's playing a smart game. And I sat down and talked to him with, talked with him about it. Like he wants to get good before he goes in there, you know, and, and make the most maximize his opportunities, take his time um, and be a great fighter. Right. So the, the point is, like you got to know all these things before you start going in there. And, and that's where I say there's a difference between courage and stupidity. When you know the reason why you're going in there, it still takes courage to get in there. When you don't know all those reasons why you're going in there, if you don't know yourself, don't know a strategy or, you know, some sort of game plan, right? Even if your game plan is like, I'm going to sprawl and brawl and knock them out with a flying knee or an uppercut, George Masvidal style which is, you know, not a smart strategy, but it's still a strategy, right? Like, you yeah. know who you are and what you're doing. That I respect. When you don't have that, you're going in there on stupidity. If you think that, and, and to be fair, the reason that I know all this, this is all based on experience <laughs> because I was that stupid guy. Like I went in completely foolishly. My first fight that I'd actually trained for, I trained for uh, two weeks I fought a guy that was 12 and one 
in uh, San Shao, and I didn't know what San Shao was. I thought it was kickboxing. <laughs> I didn't know you could do takedowns. So <laughs> I was that stupid guy. I, or, or even my first fight, like I was coked up and I was partying and, you know, when it never trained a day in my life and I went in and fought that night, right? That's stupidity. Over time, I started training and realized that it takes courage to get in there when you're not on cocaine. <laughs> that's a that's the I had my quote today. That's the quote you need to put up on your it takes courage to go in there when you're not on cocaine. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> <laughs> but you see what I'm saying though? It's not like you you I hate, hate, hate when people say I respect everybody that gets in the octagon. No, like there are so fucking many guys that go in there because they're stupid. Yeah, like no, I didn't deserve right. any respect myself when, when I first started, I like, no one should have respected me for having the bravery to take a line of cocaine and go fight a man. <laughs> no, you're absolutely <laughs> right. You're absolutely right. And when I say it, I'm, I, 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 let me be clear. When I say it, I'm referencing kind of like the UFC level, like of that, you know, when you get to that level, like I have so much respect because it does take a lot to get to that level. You know what I mean? Like I, I say for, for the, for the most part. Yeah. But then there are, there are even aberrations in that, right? You got CM Punk stupidity. Yeah. <laughs> it, it wasn't courageous of him to go in there. It was stupid of him. Yeah. And we saw what happened when he did. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, th there are, you know, Mike Jackson, <laughs> you know, there, there are anomalies even at the highest level, which in my opinion, you know, I, I wish the UFC would never have done that kind of stuff and allowed that stupidity. Um, you know, but it's their business, not mine. Well, and that's, and that's the other thing you got to realize like with CM Punk, like he got the opportunity because he was CM Punk, like, you know what I mean? He sure. got it because he had a name. He had no business in there. He was the lowest, the lowest level guy you could ever put in there and try to call it a UFC fight. Like it was abysmal. It was, it was horrendous. Right. The, and, and the reason I call it stupid is because like, like he, he went in the gym and trained for it. He knew where he was at. You know what I'm saying? Like, like he, he had real trainers. He had the money to pay real trainers. Like he knew where his level was and he would have been better off you know, if I were CM Punk, I would have done my own promotion and brought in some retard to beat up. Like just, you know, if you just want to fight, right. Like just bring in some idiot that you can beat, uh, put on your own promotion. You know, you're not going to, maybe you don't make the payday that, that, uh, you get with, uh, the UFC, but you get a, a good payday, right. CM Punk puts on a show. There's going to be a big turnout. You could do it in a, a small arena. Yeah. You know, go in there and, pick some retard off the street and beat him up and see now you get to see what it feels like. Yeah. Can, I know can, his dream was like, Oh, I want to fight in the UFC. And you know, I, I hear that dream all the time. Like I've seen so many guys come through the gym and you know, their goal is to get to the UFC. And I fucking hate that. Yeah. Um, and it, well, the reason I hate that is because that was my goal. Again, like I, I can base it off my own experience. I was that idiot that started uh, the wrong way. And my only goal was to get to the UFC. And then I got to the UFC and I realized that, you know, that that's a low goal that that doesn't mean shit. Like UFC doesn't mean anything to be there. Like everybody that has uh, a decent amount of talent can get to the UFC. I mean, back in my day, I think it was a little harder than it is now, but there are many paths to the UFC these days. 
Like if you have some talent, like you can get to the UFC, but that's a low goal. If you're not training to be UFC champion of the world, then I'm not really interested in training you. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's true, and and yeah, like when lo- looking back on it, like I know we this is going back to our old podcast days that got us on ESPN once upon a time on Sports Center when you were talking about CM Punk. But uh, can you think about it now, like the mismatch of CM Punk and Mickey Gall, like how much of a mismatch that right. was? Like, I mean, it played out like that in the fight, but like, good lord, like that is literally the biggest. That, that's a bigger mismatch than Fury and Ganu. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it turns out it was. It, well, and that is a, one of the difference too. And in, in MMA, you know, the mismatch can be—I don't know how—how how would you say? It? Like, it, it can be exaggerated greatly in MMA, right? In boxing, the the worst guy in the world—that that's the difference between striking and grappling, right? And and striking, the worst guy in the world still has that puncher's chance. Right, like you, you can throw a punch and just coincidentally land. There is that that chance. Obviously, you know the higher level you get, the lower that chance becomes, and you know. But th- there's still always that. That's why like people want to watch Connor and and Floyd, like there, because there is that chance. And Connor even hit Floyd once, right? So, you know, he he got that one in a million chance, and it worked. But when you start adding in all the aspects, with particularly with the grappling, which is why jujitsu and wrestling are such powerful sports, those remove your chances immediately. Like if I'm better at you at jujitsu, you know, with the same weight, and I get on top of you, like it's over for you. Like you don't have a chance anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like like your chances on the feet, you know, might be a hundred to one. But once once I get you on the ground, if you don't know what you're doing, if I'm that much better than you, like that hundred to one just went a hundred to zero. Like you literally have zero chance. Yeah, that's why I always say, and I will always say, wrestling is the best base for mixed martial arts because you don't generally learn how to wrestle quickly. You're not gonna out wrestle Bo Nickel. Like you're not. Like you yeah. know what I mean? Like if he gets you on the ground and he's on top of you, chances are it's gonna be a really bad night for you because you're not gonna get out from underneath that dude. Like that is why it is the best base for mixed martial arts. And obviously wrestlers can be beaten. They have been beaten plenty of times. But I'm just saying, like if you're looking for the basis level of mixed martial arts, you just want to have that one layer to start with, wrestling is the one to start with because it's the hardest to learn. It is a grueling, grueling sport to learn. And guys who've done wrestling for the most part outside of George St. Pierre have been doing it since they're fucking four years old. You know what I mean? Like you're not, they've been doing it for 20 years and they're like 20, then they're 22 years old. Like they've been doing it their entire so, lives. My only, I don't know if I'd say argument, I guess that maybe addition to that is I would say it's not necessarily wrestling. That's the best base for MMA, but grappling is the best base for me. I hate when people, I should say I hate it, but I kind of disagree when people just narrow it down to wrestling because, you know, we also have judo, sambo. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. You're right. I I yeah. say when I say wrestling, I mean wrestling versus like and don't again, I don't want the entire jujitsu community to come from my head, but like as great as jujitsu is, wrestling is a better base than jujitsu, Brazilian even, jiu-jitsu. So even when you take jujitsu, again, that's why I take it I say grappling because you know, the difference in the the problem I would say with jujitsu as a base, when people think of traditional jujitsu and sport jujitsu, you know, it is very like guard, butt scooting oriented. But if we, if I call it grappling, 
you know, then we're going to take away all that butt scooting, right? Yeah. So jujitsu can be a, a a great base, also like a Damian Maya, right? Where a lot of his jujitsu was based on, uh, um, you know, wrestling and taking you down and being on top. So it can still be a powerful, uh, just as good as as wrestling or grappling as a whole as a base. It just depends on the style and the way that you were taught and the way you were brought up, because there is a whole group of sport jujitsu out there that ruins it. You know, when we talk about jujitsu, but the, the old school traditional real jujitsu is take them down and get on top. So it has a huge uh, takedown component to it. That's why I always liked one of my favorite guys ever to do jujitsu transitioning into MMA and become like a high level grappler and a high level fighter at his peak was Jake Shields. Like I always loved Jake yeah, Shields because yeah. he was an incredible wrestler and he would fuck you up in jujitsu. Like he would do both. Like you could not survive with that guy. If he got on top of you, um, he even managed to out grapple in some exchanges when he fought Damian Maya of all people like that. Well, is yeah, like, he, he completely out grappled. He won that fight. And, and, and he took, I mean, he took down Dan Henderson repeatedly and, and, you know, yeah. put him on the bat and, and out wrestled a freaking Olympian Olympic wrestler and Dan Henderson. So that was always my model of like, the perfect mix of of jujitsu and, and wrestling, which you're talking just say grappling, was a guy like Jake Shields because he could wrestle you and then he'd fuck you up on the ground. Right, and and that's where I, again I I kind of just say grappling. Yeah, no, you're I, right. I, you're right. As a whole, like you you have to know how to grapple, or the striking means nothing. Yeah. Right. So even even when you take a guy as great as Adesanya, um you know, he had to learn how to grapple, right. To, um, be able to transition to MMA and he got really good at it, you know, and his grappling was obviously a, uh, defensive style. Um, but he still had to learn grappling, he not necessarily wrestling, not necessarily jujitsu, not necessarily Sambo, not necessarily judo or catch wrestling. You know, there's so many different styles and that, that's why I believe, um, I always just sum it up to look, it, it is grappling is what we're doing. And that's what you have to be. No question. Like you have to be very, very good at it. You better have the right amount of courage and balls. Cause you can't be stupid about those things. <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> right. That, well, that's, you know, that's a great point, but you know, to add on to that, maybe we'll end with this is, you know, the, when you do grappling, jujitsu wrestling, in particular in Sambo and, and all those grappling sports, like you recognize how little um, your spastic movements help you, right? You realize that all those, you know, you have to have a brain, right? Cause you could do boxing and jujitsu and kind of be an idiot and get away with a lot of Like there's some really idiotic guys that get to a decent level in those sports, you know, not a high level, right. But a decent level, you know, you got like, even like the Ricardo Mayorgas, right. Who who never had any skill, right. But it got to a really high level. Um, but you never, ever see that in any of the grappling sports, Yeah, right. You never see the Mayorga types, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, you're right. You're absolutely right. I mean, you'll get, You'll get, I mean, wrestling, jujitsu, and you'll get absolutely destroyed. You will absolutely get yeah. handled. Like, there's no, it's not even like, it's not like, it's funny because I talked to David Taylor uh, a few weeks ago and I was talking about like David Taylor 
manhandle Bo Nickel. Bring me in on these on these interviews. <laughs> yeah, David Taylor manhandled Bo Nickel. Like that should tell you how high level David Taylor is, Olympic gold medalist. Like, and Bo Nickel's really freaking good. But David if Taylor remember, is the next level. Was, if I remember, David Taylor was main, the main reason why Bo Nickel didn't go for the Olympics or, or he, the he, world. Tr- he, 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 he tried. He tried because he went to the he went to the uh, Olympic trials and in the finals, David Taylor handled him, and that was pretty much the end of his wrestling career was at that point because he couldn't get past David Taylor. I mean, for the longest time, Kyle Dake couldn't get past Jordan Burroughs. Like, that was his problem for the longest time was Jordan Burroughs was just un- – you couldn't fuck with him. And so Dake ended up going to a different weight class because, like, he couldn't get – and Jordan Burroughs, like, that's just what it was. Daniel Cormier. Daniel Cormier is one of the best wrestlers America's produced, but he couldn't get through Kale Sanderson. Like, mm-hmm. Kale Sanderson was just a bad motherfucker. Like, that's not a knock on Daniel Cormier. That's just because Kale Sanderson was in the way. Yeah, it's just bad timing, right? Yeah. That's all it is. But yeah, th- but that's, I, I guess, ult- the ultimate point is that, like you can, again, you, you just don't see that in the wrestling, uh, grappling sports. You you don't see guys, there's some oddballs out there, right? There's the, you know, the, I don't know, the, the, there's some oddball guys that are really coming to mind, but that, that do decent, right? Um, you know, have odd um, styles and stuff, but you never ever gonna see, you know, a spastic or wild guy have any success in the grappling sports, and and I think that's one of the most powerful things about it. It teaches you like discipline and fundamentals, and I, I think that goes a long way with uh, with MMA, and I think yeah. that that probably has more of an impact on an MMA fighter's career um, or, or, you know, as grappling as a base than the actual, um, well, I guess, yeah, the techniques too. So I don't know. I lost what I'm saying. (laughs) No worries. Well, (laughs) all I want to know is by next time we do our our show next week, as we do our UFC 295 preview, I want to see if you can track down the guy who ran out of the arena and uh, left your boy hanging without a fight. I'm just kind of curious whatever happened to him. Like, did he disappear? Did he get picked up by aliens? Like, what happened? I would just be curious to know, like, yeah, he's just like, I saw the other guy, and I was like, fuck this, and I just left. (laughs) I think he shit his pants. (laughs) I want to know what happened to him. I want to know what happened to the guy who just left the arena. Nah, fuck him. Oh, it's hilarious. All right, that's our show for this week. We appreciate everyone tuning in. Matt, where can everyone check you out, support you, the people who support you? Um, I'm the immortal Twitter, Instagram, and you can check the links in the bio on Instagram, man. I got the Redwood saunas on there. I got the immortal coffee. Um, got some other stuff on there. My Airbnbs. I think I put those on there. Nice. Um, not, actually, I'm not sure if I have put them on there yet. We're building out our website for those right now. So nice. Yeah. Stay- got a lot, lots of things going on, man. Stay in the immortal love palace. When you go down and stay in the, uh, the Airbnb, the immortal love palace, as I've nicknamed it. Now, it's a very so. romantic love palace. <laughs> See, that's what I'm, I'm saying. Say. It's, the, it's the immortal love. I also have a beach house now too. See, look at this. You see, you go stay in the immortal beach house. It's uh, just the, it's the brand name. We got to keep it in the brand name. I'm, I'm working on it, bro. Immortal <laughs> uh, vacation rentals. I don't know. I like it. I like it. We'll work it. We'll, 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 we'll workshop it here on the show. We'll figure out something good. Uh, as always, we appreciate everyone tuning in. We'll be back next week with our UFC 295 preview. Make sure you check us out on all your favorite podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and, of course, over on the best website in the world, MMAfighting.com. And we'll see you next week for another edition of The Fighter versus The Writer. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you then.
listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Support for this episode has come from eBay. You know real when you feel it. And with eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you don't have to wonder. You know that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo will be checked by experts and verified authentic. Maybe it's a designer handbag, sneakers that pop, jewelry that shines as bright as you do. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Hi, I'm Neil Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. Right now on Decoder, we're doing a mini-series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around, generative AI. Our series dives deep into some of the most pressing issues surrounding generative AI, with expert Verge reporters covering the cutting-edge frontier of the industry. How could copyright lawsuits completely upend large language models and image generators? How big a problem is AI-generated misinformation for the 2024 election? And what kind of impact are AI chatbots having on human relationships? Decoder's AI series will help you understand what's going on, why, and where it might go from here. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Decoder wherever you get your podcasts.